Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yo, like no joke though, before we even get this cracking, I want to give myself a round of applause and you should too. Go for it. Yes. And why, you ask? Well, as you can see, I'm back in my normal surroundings, which means I attended a Chargers-Raiders game and was able to leave the stadium the same way I entered it, with uh, my freedom intact. No metal bracelets, no fisticuffs, but I can't say the same for some other folks there because the parolees were getting it in. Yes, sir. Uh, some of them were even fighting each other. But for the most part of what I saw, which was closest to me, there was like an almost brawl, but then scattered about... There was some other stuff going down. I mean, there was smoke everywhere. And uh, from what I saw, the Chargers fans were winning. So they didn't just pull out the dub on the field. <laughs> they was handing out L's in the stands too and in the parking lot. But anyway, let's get on to uh, some more mature things and get rolling with this five. So. <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry. I can't get over it. They were really scrapping at SoFi on Sunday. At. For real, go check out Twitter. There are numerous uh, clips where you can see folks going in on each other. And I'm sure there's one that will tickle your fancy. Just, you know, take your pick. But <laughs> grow up, Craig. Never. <laughs> All right, man. Really then. Moving on. Uh, oh, again. Oh, I'm sorry. Before I get rolling. I want to apologize for sounding like Froggy from the Little Rascals, but whenever I travel and come back home, man, my sinuses just go nutso. And uh, got a sore throat, dealing with some congestion, but it is what it is. Bear with me. We'll get through it together. Starting off here with number one and uh, calling this one, we need a buy. Because there's much as uh, some key guys on the Chargers rosters are dealing with injuries and could absolutely use this extra week to heal and come back ready to roll against the Dallas Cowboys. Us Chargers fans need a break too, man. This is another week, high drama, in a game that the Chargers should have had in hand early and were trying their darndest to let slip away. Where have we heard that before? So the whole Jacksonville thing, you know how some people are harping on it they were almost almost justified almost because the charges let the Raiders back into that game in the second half y'all know how I went down I don't have to detail all of it uh Justin Herbert and his heroics at the end of the game to throw launch a 51 yard dime to Josh Palmer uh with a fractured middle finger on his non-throwing hand and Palmer may have nudged the corner a bit but ref didn't call it so is what it is the charges get away with a win and are two and two now and like i said before glad we get a little bit of a break man because every week having to deal with these things like almost the exact same way it's it's a bit much i'm 40 now i'm dealing with some different stuff as i age some things hurt 
it used to not hurt so much get sore just getting out of bed can be a challenge some mornings i mean I'm, I'm in pretty decent shape but even with that said somebody hit the 40 button and some things changed still trying to figure all that out not your problem things that i have to deal with but the experience as a whole was pretty good uh my wife uh and our cousin we enjoyed our time had some good laughs enjoyed an exciting game and uh I had to remind my wife at halftime, actually, when the charges were up 24 to 7. And she goes, she looks at me and she says, so this is great, right? They're having a pretty easy time with this game, man. They should pull this one out. And I look at her and I said, you've been married to me for 10 years. You know what happens with this team. There's no such thing as safe until it's actually safe. And that lead, my dear, is not safe not with this team and then the second half proceeds to happen and she looks at me and she goes yep should have known better but it's okay it's not her fault she's a saints fan they have their own set of problems but it's typically not to the degree of the chargers so you know when they have a lead like that game's pretty much in hand <sighs> must be nice but anywho a good time overall the experience was dope Got to the game about 30 minutes before it kicked off when ate at my favorite breakfast place, Dupar's. Uh, we'll say this, though. The one in West L.A. is good, but it's not like the joint in Vegas. The one at a Suncoast Hotel in Vegas, magnifique. I would give that one five stars. One in L.A., four and a half stars. Maybe four stars being a little generous it was very good just has nothing on the one in vegas but i digress moving along you don't care about the time that i had and if you do thank you but you've heard enough of that let's talk about some other stuff cool good let's do it look man uh we have to be as positive about this as we can because it could always be worse we are talking about the charges here they have a tendency to be a bit middling so Shouldn't come as a shock to you, but uh, two and two, better than one and three, or zero oh and four, obviously. So we're gonna call this number two, that five hundred feeling, because it's where the charges are right now. And yeah, you could argue that they should be three and one. Hell, I mean, if you want to push and say they should be four and zero, oh, uh, you'll get no, no gripe from me on that. Could totally understand it. When you look at that Miami Dolphins team and some of the spankings that they've put on some other teams in the league, particularly one where they put up 70, dang, Broncos, hate it had to be all. I really don't, but dang, nonetheless. Um, Yeah, you can understand them losing that game, even though it was by a margin of, what, two points? So ultimately what it boils down to is that they didn't necessarily have the game plan they needed to stop that offense. I'm not even going to say stop it because there haven't been a bunch of teams that have stopped it per se. The Bills did a pretty decent job against it, but to contain it as much as possible and not utilizing the game plan that worked against them last year, still a bit mind blowing, <clears throat> but it is what it is. And they definitely should have beaten the Titans. Bugs me every time I think about those first two games, but especially week two. Anyway, have to move forward because uh, hindsight, you know what that saying is. 
but the cool thing about them going into the bye and getting some guys back means that when they uh, play next against the Dallas Cowboys, they'll be a bit better equipped. I mean, some names like Corey Lindsley and apparently JT Woods, too, for different reasons, won't be around for that. Corey Lindsley missing is a bigger deal than what I think people understand because did Will Clapp perform well in this game against uh, the Raiders? Sure. But something's off as far as calls and protections go because the Chargers were giving up pressure all day long to a team that they absolutely should not have. It's a different story for a different day. But in talking about some of these guys who are coming back, we have to come to a bit of a realization. Although you will have guys back like Joey Bosa, Derwin James, uh, Alohi Gilman, who else isn't, isn't out there that uh, is one of the key guys? I'm missing somebody. Why isn't it coming to mind right now? Whatever. But just say, for instance, the two names that I just rolled off, minus Alohi, even though he's a starter, technically. Joey and Derwin. Can you say that the team missed them against the Raiders at all? Really? Thule was out there doing unrookie-like things again, setting up plays for other pass rushers to create pressure, um, getting Mr. O'Connell off his spot. And then you've got Khalil Mack, you know, that washed edge rusher y'all were talking about out there. Not Chargers fans, others. Some Chargers fans too, though, by the way. I saw that. He ties the NFL record for sacks in a single game with six. Something about playing against the Raiders, he gets up for. And I understand. It's the team that drafted him. Probably feels like he has a point to prove. A little bit of a grudge. So, salute to him. Let's just keep it going. But I still think it's wild. That dude went to sleep Saturday night. Woke up Sunday morning and had zero sacks on the year. And by the time he laid his head back on that pillow the same night, he was tied for the league lead. Incredible. But I said that to say that can't really can you really say that we miss joey that much and i'm not saying that the team is better without him i'm just saying that they got along just fine without him but the other position that terrified me <laughs> going into sunday and i'm already shaky about it with alohi being who he is um yeah alohi makes plays he does um i said he's kind of like the great value honey badger and that he creates turnovers. He almost always seems to be around the ball. He doesn't have the same athletic ability, but he does create turnovers, and that that's valuable. But they also were without JT Woods, who, you know, hasn't set the world on fire, but he has improved a bit as a player. And really what concerned me there was the lack of athleticism on the back end because the two safeties they had to roll out there were Dean Marlowe and Raheem Lane, who were practice squad guys, and Marlowe just got added to the squad, what, like a week ago? It seemed like a recipe for disaster, but they did more than their jobs, man. They performed more than admirably. Raheem Lane is a guy that stands out on special teams, so I expect him to do his thing there, but getting regular snaps on defense wasn't a liability. Neither was Marlowe. And what I really liked about it is Marlowe and his run support. He had a play where he comes up and gets a TFL on Jacobs where it was very Derwin-esque. Shot a gap, beat a blocker, and made the play. And when we're talking about keeping the top on the defense, 
which is what this game's about, how many big plays did you see him give up? Weird, right? These two dudes, basically, who are just seeing real action, who normally wouldn't, come in and first time on the field are making it happen. So it makes you wonder what changed in their play or what was the difference in the scheme for them to perform to the level that they did on Sunday. I would imagine they had to tweak it because your starters aren't back there. So you got to simplify things um, for guys who aren't getting regular snaps throughout the week. I mean, they're not playing in any other games. And Marlowe does have some familiarity with the scheme. I think, did he play for Staley in college or something? There's some connection there. And yeah, Lane understands the scheme as well. Being a practice squad guy, being on the team a bit. So yeah, it's not like they were just, you know, DoorDash drivers that got called up. It, these are guys that understand the defense, but still, I would say, you know, coming in cold, specifically Marlowe, without any cohesion with the team and getting the flow with them to come in and do what he did. I mean, yo, you got to give props to that. So it was interesting to see those guys perform to the level that they did, but also it makes you again wonder what's going on here. Because I don't necessarily think it's the players. And I would never say that this team is better without Derwin. What I'm saying, though, is I'm, I'm going to assume that they pared the scheme down. And if that's the performance you get from a pared down scheme from guys who don't play, then when your starters come back, why do you feel the need to have to complicate things? Because there were really no explosive plays to discuss from this past week. Yes, the Chargers were playing a rookie quarterback, but that didn't mean anything. You know, the Chargers love making people famous. Maybe something to consider, because uh, when you play Dallas, those are some dudes out there, uh, particularly at the wide receiver position, one specifically, and Dak is Dak, but he's still a better than average NFL quarterback. <sighs> All right, we'll see what happens when those guys come back. Hopefully, you know, nothing really changes as far as the defense with regard to uh, giving up big plays, and if it does... And we have to revisit this because uh, something ain't right. I, I, I just can't figure out what it is, but something, something ain't right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm going to go out on a limb here and just venture to say that many of us are familiar with the old saying that to know where you're going, you have to understand where you've been. That's going to lead us into number three, which is entitled simply what's been. Now, if there's one thing we can take away from the Anthony Lynn regime, one thing that I actually appreciated makes perfect sense is to take the season in quarters. So I know there's the extra game this year. We've mentioned that already, but still, I think it applies. Four games through, that quarter is over. Now let's look back at what was effective, or really what wasn't, and what adjustments we can make going into the second quarter. And then after that, we do the same. So compartmentalize, make adjustments where necessary, and improve as you go along. Sort of kind of a life thing in general. But one of the main things that I want to focus on 
It's something that we thought the Chargers had a hold on. Really, it was just one game, so we just kind of assumed that it had been remedied, and that's the run game. Hmm. It's not what we thought it was going to be after week one. Chargers did whatever they wanted on the ground against the Dolphins. And one of the main reasons for that is that they were a downhill power running team for a game. And in the offseason, that's what we heard about. Hell, I think they talked about it in like that first episode of All In. It was one of the sticking points for the offense. But it seems that somewhere along the way, the strategy changed. Or might it have something to do with Austin Eckler being out? I don't know, but that doesn't really make sense to me because the guys that you have right now um, that are currently healthy are better suited for a downhill power running game, particularly your de facto RB1 right now, Joshua Kelly, who for some reason is running a ridiculous amount of outside zone. He's not suited for it. Whereas the de facto RB2, Isaiah Spiller, who got a little bit more burn this past week, can do a little bit of all of that. And also is a good receiver out of the backfield. But they seem to be, uh, I guess, miscast at this point. And it also goes to show you how important Austin Eckler is to this offense. I mean, you could argue that outside of Justin Herbert, he's the engine that makes it go. I just want to see them going into their game against the Cowboys, which is going to be rough, by the way, because we know what they uh, are defensively and especially in that front. Get back to that downhill power running game. Uh, also, when you have your full stable uh, and complement of backs, maybe that helps. But then again, I just feel like they would have leaned on it a bit more based on their personnel with Eckler being out. So that's one of the things. And I guess maybe we can piggyback into the next thing because similar element is usage of players in ways that don't suit their skill set. So, yes, the running backs but you should know where I'm going here and I'm talking wide receivers. And yeah, Quentin Johnston has to be a part of this conversation. You know, while watching the game, I noticed a few things. And it's different being there. You can literally just kind of hone in on one guy. It's the same thing with like all 22, but watching it live is a bit different because I could see a couple things develop or before they developed happening. And I called out a few plays and I looked at my wife and she just kind of shakes her head at me. She's like, Mike, how did you know that was going to happen? And it was like, it's just football stuff. When you've watched this for over 30 plus years, played it, been involved in it as much as I have, uh, you've seen pretty much everything there is to see. And there are certain tells and indicators of what, types of plays may be coming and all that other stuff all that jazz those out there who know the game like that understand it so i'm not saying anything foreign to you there were multiple opportunities where i saw qj aligned to the field one-on-one -on -one coverage no safety help over the top which i guess for some people means hey they should just try to run some go routes and they actually did that a few times and it would make sense if he was Mike Williams, but that's not who Quentin Johnston is. And you knew that when you drafted him, he's not overly physical, even though he is a very good run after catch guy, but that's more about him creating and making guys miss in the open field. And he's not a great contested 
quote unquote 50 50 guy it's not his bag you want to know how you get him open deep by utilizing him in a short and intermediate game make teams respect that and then you can take your shots with them over the top because if you're just going to line him up there and teams are basically going to disrespect him by playing him one-on-one because they don't believe he can beat them that way you have to do something to manufacture better separation so that he can utilize his run after catch so case in point if you see that coverage or if they're playing a little bit of off man as opposed to trying to have him run by them run a few slants <sighs> a couple crossers shallow crossers things of that nature run a few hitches allow him to stick his foot in the ground catch the ball and get outside make guys miss get up the sideline and then once they see you using him that way they'll start sitting on those routes which gives him an opportunity to run by them because if they're flat-footed and they're looking at everything underneath then they're less likely to be on their heels to get on their horse to run with him down the field so you'll get that bit of separation that maybe he wouldn't get naturally which is allowing him to catch the ball uncontested and then he can do his thing after the catch once again that's not how he's being used right now it's kind of frustrating and we keep talking about them not having a plan for him at this point and last week really makes me feel like they don't because they clearly have a plan for his partner in crime from tcu darius davis who's aligning pretty much everywhere but also in the backfield i mean in the first drive he took a ball he carried it as a running back for 51 yards these are things that are a part of the game plan you're manufacturing touches to a guy who you feel to be a playmaker. For some reason, they can't figure that out with Quentin Johnston, and I don't get it for the life of me. I feel like I'm harping on that too much, but again, it's something that I just can't. It, it won't register. Hopefully, during this bye week, because he has to be a bigger part of the offense, and we saw that the passing game was not what it was with Mike Williams as a part of it. I mean, thank God for that big pass play at the end of the game. But again, took some heroics to make that happen. And you don't necessarily want to have to be in a situation to where a clutch play like that has to be made in order for you to close a game out. Just be really nice to have your offense function like a well-oiled machine. And I understand this is still a new offense and they're performing you know, throughout the season very well. It's one of the top offenses in the league, which is great. There's still work that needs to be done. Uh, what's next? They need to develop a finisher's mentality, but this has always been the case. Exactly like, like literally always. We can go last year, seasons prior, Chargers can find themselves in situations where it's like, you know, I don't know what to do with my hands. That's how it is when they've got a significant lead. They just don't know how to close. It's like the Monstars come down and steal their powers and then, you know, teams just sort of have, the, have their way and the Chargers are doing their best to cling to leads. And then they get conservative. And when you get conservative, you lose. They were able to hold on this time because defense came up big and made a play. Actually, two weeks in a row. And as much maligned as the defense is, you got to give them credit for that. They saved a couple of games. But ultimately, they have to find that killer instinct. Close teams out. Make them quit. Force them into submission. And I know that sounds easier said than done, but 
nah man when you're up 24 7 against a struggling team you can't allow them to have any life that game should have been over really before halftime but for sure in the third quarter you don't come out in the second half and put up a goose egg you're asking for it and we've also been down that road before nobody wants to see that again and that just kind of leads into the final thing that I would like to see here in the next quarter of football. Develop a sense of urgency, man. This is a team that is not going to look the same next year as it does right now. You can say that about any team every year, but I mean some of the core pieces may be very different next year. If this is your last real run at this, then every game, every quarter counts. You can't take your foot off of the gas. If we're going to talk about what's been, then naturally... We should talk about what will be. Potentially. Maybe. I guess. <laughs> That's number four, by the way. Um, I see a recommitment to the run game with Eckler returning. I mean, it just makes sense, right? The question is, will they go back to an emphasis on the power running game from week one? Or will it be more of the outside zone stuff, which actually... I'm sure there'll be a mix of both. And it's fine because Eckler's proven he can do either or. His versatility gives you that option. So the other thing, though, is now having seen life without Eckler in this offense, it's not the first time, but in this iteration of it, maybe makes them consider the fact that you can't just plug any old body in there to do what he does. Maybe, just maybe, I'm not saying they undervalued him. There's some potential for a talk about life with the Chargers after this season. Maybe. Possibly. I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, all comes down to whether or not the bridge was burned and that bread. But it's a long season. We'll see how it goes. Uh, and then I think there's a very well not. I think I know it's just whether or not the Chargers are going to do it. It's a very real opportunity to utilize Darius Davis more in the vertical passing game. Number one, because they haven't actually been doing it. And I'm not saying that I think they're going to start bombing the ball 60 to 70 yards down the field every time he's on the field. I'm sure they'll take their shots, but you can use him also as a decoy for number two. Manufacturing touches for Quentin Johnston outside of just your typical uh, wide receiver screens or slants quick outs allow Darius Davis to work the deep portions of the field so that Quentin can get into the intermediate portion and do his thing with run after catch he's your first round draft pick man you have to have an, a plan for him moving forward there's no excuse after this buy so I expect there to be something done there it may not be exactly what I'm saying but I do feel like we'll see a difference I mean kind of have to otherwise they don't know what the hell they're doing and lastly but certainly not least maybe this defense is going to be more predicated on being a playmaking uh, defense more opportunistic should I say so it'll be more about takeaways as opposed to being like this immovable object because they ain't ever going to be the 85 bears man just Get over it. It's not going to happen. Scheme is what it is. The players are who they are. But 
they may be able to hang their hats on taking the ball away. <coughs> Pardon me. Look at the guys they have that are capable of doing it. Khalil Mack, uh, Joey Bosa is a strip sack artist. You've got Alohi Gilman, who is proving himself to be one of those guys. And Asante Samuel Jr. is a playmaker, especially in condensed areas of the field where he can use his instincts and bait quarterbacks into bad throws and take advantage of his short area quickness to take the ball away. All things that the Chargers are capable of doing and hopefully they make adjustments to do because what we cannot do is to continue to bang our heads against the wall doing things that work sometimes but more often than not don't. Conscious repetition of the same action expecting a different result. Just a long way of saying it's insane. You don't want to be labeled that. And also, I would imagine, you know, being that Brandon Staley is squarely in the crosshairs of not just uh, local media, national. And I would assume eh, upper management's feeling a little bit of the heat. So let's try something different because what we're doing right now, for the most part, ain't really it. And you can't just expect that things are going to just start working out of the blue or teams are just going to become dumber, more mistake prone, and you're just going to play perfect football. It's never going to be the case. So, again, hopefully they make some adjustments, because uh, if they don't, Lord have mercy on us. I saved this topic for last because probably going to take the longest to talk through, parse out. It's a little complicated. You guys know where I'm going with this because it's the main topic of conversation this week. JC Jackson is no longer an LA Charger. Ironically enough, he's a New England Patriot again. So everybody's getting those, hey, I made a Patriot edit. You know those lame jokes on Twitter? They're, they're doing that thing. Yeah, that got old quickly, by the way. I don't I wish it would just go away. But anyway, that's their bag. So I'm going to entitle this one. It's two part. Number one, I'm going to roll with uh, sorry, Mr. Jackson. And then slash fleece Jackson, which should explain kind of sort of how I'm feeling about this overall. So let's start at the beginning. JC signs comes in, performs very well from all indications during camp has the uh, joint practice against the Cowboys and is apparently locking everyone up. Staley comes out, sings his praises. Everything's great. And then shortly thereafter, there's a surgery announced for a situation that he's dealing with with one of his feet. And then you find out it's something he's dealt with for years, maybe since childhood, but he only just then elected to have surgery to repair it supposed to be not super invasive whatever that means and it happens again two weeks prior to the season starting so the timing is just very questionable and also it had to pass a physical before you know the contracts went through and everything was set in stone and wasn't an issue then at least they didn't make a fuss about it at that point and Staley even comes out and says, hey, this is something that he's deciding to do. And essentially they were going to support him for it, which makes it feel like maybe just maybe 
he waited until almost the worst possible time to say something about it. So I'm going to put that on JC. It almost sounds like he caught the team off guard. But anywho, gets the surgery, comes back, misses the first game of the year, plays against KC. Was that week two or three? I was at that game, by the way. So I was sitting there on that play that was given up, which apparently wasn't his fault. I think he was supposed to have safety help over the top, but it just looks bad to the naked eye. And then from that point, for the next few weeks, looks like he's still coming along, not quite himself. And in that Seattle game, starts to look like he's rounding into form. And then he has the freak injury where he basically blows out his entire knee and um, his patella. And it's an injury that many players, athletes, and various sports either don't come from at all. So it's typically a career death sentence. Or if they do come back, they're not the same guy. And we watch him in the offseason work out like a maniac at the facility virtually every day. And is ready for week one, which he said he would be. But I don't know how many of us took that seriously because of the severity of the injury. But also, it's like, no, dude, we don't want you to try to push yourself to be back on the field ready to go that soon. Take your time. It's a huge investment. At least I was looking at it as like, let him get right first. But if they are going to play him, at least have him on a pitch count. It's the only thing that makes sense. You've got these other younger guys that you're working in anyway. Just give him the time he needs. And throughout the season, he'll come along. And maybe by midseason, he's raring to go. But nah, right out of the gate, week one against uh, the 4 by one Olympic track team with Tyreek Hill running the anchor leg. You decided that you're going to put him out there one-on-one with Tyreek Hill. And people were shocked when he got roasted. When this is what Tyreek Hill does to guys that are fully healthy. Didn't understand that decision. But it gets worse, right? So he made a couple boneheaded choices in that game, which kind of compiled it. And so people are looking at him like, well, the athleticism being affected by the injury is one thing. But just the football IQ starts to come into question. And that's understandable. But then the next week against the Titans, he actually plays better. It's your other two guys, Mike Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. that give up big plays. You roll into week three, 0-2 with Justin Jefferson on the docket. And uh, JC is inactive. He's in street clothes. No one knew what was going on. But there was talk of like performance issues, things of that nature. And it never really made sense to me because he was probably your best corner in the previous game. So why would you sit him now? So I figured something had to be going on. And then that news came out that there was a warrant issue for his arrest for missing a court appearance. And I just kind of felt like, okay, well, that's probably why. And then he comes out and says he doesn't understand understand why he was basically um, inactive. Staley comes out and says, well, he does know we talked about it. He was giving detail as to why. So now you've got a public conflict between two players. And we know that's typically not a Chargers way. They like to keep things in house. And uh, from that point on, I was just kind of like, I'm not sure where this is going. But it doesn't feel like it's in a positive direction. Staley's got to get a hold of this. So I go to the game in L.A. JC's active, which Staley said he would be. But he doesn't play a single snap. 
And at that point, <laughs> I started getting really worried. And lo and behold, <clears throat> after winning two games without JC, ironically enough, the following week he's traded back to the Patriots. And then the news starts coming out. And if you're a part of the Discord, you got all the details. Uh, Garrett dropped the bomb in there from his guy. Kind of talking about some of the stuff that was going on. So I won't detail that here. Join the Discord and uh, get that information. You're welcome. <laughs> but ultimately, the way that it comes across, and particularly in Daniel Popper's report that he put out in his write-up, that side of things makes it seem like JC kind of pulled one over on the Chargers with regards to his potential lack of effort and or wanting to buy in. Again, this sounds all cryptic because I'm trying not to give out too much information. The stuff that's in that discord that Garrett talked about is where you need to get all that. But I will say this much. Um, he was bumping heads with the coaching staff about his usage, the way he was being used. Now, interestingly enough, I put out a tweet sometime earlier this week that you know was met with some pushback where I said that I don't agree with players basically um, or coaches going with the um, you know square peg, peg round hole uh, you know course of action when it comes to players. J.C. Jackson was known for being a man cover cornerback. That was his thing in New England. Uh, even though they had him play more of it his last year there, he wasn't very good at it. And then when you go back and watch that All In episode where JC's walking in the coach's office and coach pulls his notes out and starts reeling off all of the things that make JC JC, there's an emphasis on the fact that he follows the best players and essentially is great at being a man cover cornerback. And they were asking him to play more zone, which you had tape of him not being great at. And yet, you thought that he would enter your system and then suddenly that would get better. This is where, again, I'm saying it's twofold. So when you're talking about who's at fault here, to me, it's kind of everyone. Number one, JC from the beginning for not taking care of his business with the foot when he should have. So again, from the fleecing side of things, that seems a little weird to me. And that's where that part of the title comes from. But then also, sorry, Mr. Jackson, because they were asking you to do things that you weren't great at. I don't care how much they pay him. Giving a guy a butt ton of money does not change his skill set. And asking players to do things that they aren't great at and expecting them to suddenly be good at them is not a realistic proposition. We actually see that with a few of the players on the team right now. Not a fan of Joey. I'm sorry, Derwin James playing a bunch of deep third. Not that he can't, but he's better utilized in the box. And if you ask the question about whether or not that's personnel based, well, you can look at the same scenario last year when you had Alohi Gilman and Nasir Adderley and they were still doing it. When I see Joey Bosa dropping into coverage, I don't love that. It's not what Joey does, but, you know, is what it is. The scheme cannot supersede the players. The scheme should fit the players. And therein lies the problem. So, like I said before, JC is at fault. And some of it looks a little sketchy on his part, getting your money and then making a decision to do something that you probably should have had taken care of quite some time ago. And then Brandon Staley bringing a guy in and thinking that if you're going to force him into something that he's proven that he's not great at and suddenly have him do a 180 that 
that was a realistic decision to make and it would work in the best interest of the player or the team. So I guess you can call it equal parts responsibility. But enough of that, man. It is what it is. Um, over and done with. Experiment failed. Now the charges are on the hook for what? Mm, I think it was like seven million, a little over seven million for this year. Patriots pick up the rest, and you got some dead money on the books for another couple years. But uh, we'll commend the charges for kind of pulling the plug on it instead of waiting. I mean, I guess there's that because that's typically not their way. They're generally a day later than what they should be, at least. <clears throat> and then you look at guys like Jerry Tillery and the fact that they held on to that. And uh, we know how that went. But they are clearly getting better in that regard. Hopefully it pays off for the remainder of the season. Curious to see what the plan is defensively moving forward. I already gave you guys my opinions on the direction I think the defense should go in. But we'll see how it turns out from there. But anyway, that's it for me, man. Appreciate I appreciate you guys for joining me for this five-piece for that head top uh, bye week. So you get to sit back and watch some other teams go at it and, like I said before, uh, regulate our blood pressure and attempt to have just a, a, a regular normal weekend as human beings as opposed to uh, you know, having uh, uh, EMT on standby. Should be good. I'm going to enjoy some good food, watch some other teams beat the crap out of each other, and hopefully uh, the 49ers kick the crap out of the Cowboys. That could go one of two ways. They can come in licking their wounds, and Chargers can uh, take advantage of it, or they'll be motivated and come with their A games. Yeah, it's a game of football. You never know what to expect week to week. But like I said before, I appreciate y'all. Thanks for joining me here. I will catch y'all on the next one. Y'all take it easy, and I am gone.